Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. We are not using a turned over garbage can to record this edition, so that alone is a step in the right direction. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brunts Christofferson. It is officially the off-season. How are you gentlemen doing without a practice schedule to give you routine in your lives? I noticed Brian's wearing sweatpants, so... That's pretty normal, though. <laughs> <laughs> are you just going to out the man for being well, comfortable? I, I, had, I had to put pants on with belt loops to come over here, but... I'm wearing sweatpants and a, belt loops. <laughs> a t-shirt with a moose on it, if you didn't notice. I didn't notice that. <laughs> so, I do now, though. I really have it going. <laughs> It's nice. It's it's that time of year where you basically where I basically only leave the house once every like four days, so it's it's this is the sweet spot. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like your favorite time <laughs> yeah. of the year. Yep. You just gotta stay bunkered in. Yep. Just gotta make sure there's enough provisions to survive each day. One grocery store run a week, and that's it. You don't even live by a grocery store anymore. It's true. You might have to go like every two weeks. This is true. Become one of those survivalist types. <laughs> hunt things in my backyard <laughs> i mean is there anything back there you don't have a possum in your backyard anymore yeah the, so. the, the possum or is, stray cats i don't know what you're hunting squirrels things of that nature fair enough you have just blow darts or what what are you what are you going to actually just, use just here? my bare hands mount man brunts over here foot foot speed and strength is all that man yep. needs and cunning lots of yeah. cunning mm-hmm. nice nets Traps? Nope. No traps? Nope. Interesting. Uh, speaking of traps, I mean, those of you stuck listening to this podcast still probably feel like you're in one <laughs> with the way that we've started so far. Good segue. But we will uh, we'll just jump right into it. Nebraska lost on Friday to Iowa. They finished their season at 4-8, and eight, the same record as a year before. The Huskers uh, made it close in the end. It was tied 28-all. There looked like there was a possibility it could be heading to overtime. And then Kirk Ferentz went for it on fourth and eight. And I think about six people in America thought he was actually going to have that ball snapped at one point. And I know that at least two of the six weren't Brian and I standing on the sidelines entirely convinced it was a ploy to get Nebraska to jump off sides for a better field goal attempt. Yeah, I thought that. And then even the second time, I thought it might be a pooch punt. I yeah. thought he was going to the shotgun. Yeah, I thought, well, he's just going to drop this down on about the 10-yard line. And I don't know if that affected Nebraska at all, but I could see where it would. You sh- you should be ultra aggressive in that scenario no matter what. And yet it's kind of a mind game where you're like, are they really going to snap this ball? You know, and you're kind of wondering it yourself. And I think that's sometimes a tough spot for a defense. Kirk Ferentz is, is probably very grateful that that play worked out because – I mean, the, the decision to, to try to fake that field goal earlier in the game essentially let Nebraska back in the game. and It was stunningly bad. Yeah, I mean, it was in the pantheon of Kirk Ferentz decision-making in Nebraska-Iowa games, that fake field goal was probably more egregious than continuing to kick to DeMornay Pearsonell uh, that year. But, I mean, it's... You know, you roll the dice, you get rewarded for it. Nebraska was playing too far off the ball there, and you know, you, you make that field goal. I mean, it's that that's just kind of the margin of error in those games. But I mean, I, I guess you're finally rewarded for doing something risky there. You know yeah. what has happened with Kirk Ferentz? Everybody still makes fun of him for being a guy who punts a lot, and I do too sometimes. But he actually, in the last few years, if you pay attention to Iowa, they do bizarre fake. Tri- they run yeah. tricks all the time now. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, 
I guess you could have seen it coming. Uh, but it's strange the 180 he's gone and as a, being about the most conservative guy you could find to what he is now. He's coaching like an older coach with an insanely high buyout. What, uh, <laughs> what else stood out to you about the Nebraska-Iowa game as we kind of put a bow on that and then we can put a bow on the, the 2018 season? Watching that game and them not having J.D. Spielman uh, on the field for the second straight game, it, it kind of kicked me forward to next year already with some of that group that, you, you know, offensively I think they'll be fine. But, you know, as much as we talk about the def- the defense needing to take a step forward next season, it, the offense is going to be interesting too because you're, you're losing Stanley Morgan, a key piece there. You, you have Spielman coming back. But beyond that, you really don't have a ton at that wide receiver spot. And I, I think at times in that game, you really saw the, the, the lack of options that, that they had in, at the wide receiver spot. But, I mean, again, you know, Adrian Martinez, I think, showed flashes of, of what he can be. He made the freshman mistake on the pick. But, um, you know, I, I think that on that side of the ball that they have as much to, to do in the offseason as, as the defense does. I'm encouraged by what they did this season. I have to say, Friday's game, if I had like a meter where my encouragement, you know, there's a needle and it's going up and down, it actually went down just a little bit from that game. Not a lot, but there was a few things in that game that gave me pause. Some of what Brunch was talking about. Another part would be the just the defensive line in the front seven. Like, they're, they're still not strong enough yet to match up with like the Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan types. And so it's a huge another nine months for Zach Duvall in that regard. And this game was very close to feeling like a blowout at one point. Like I think if Iowa kicks a field goal there, I'm not saying Nebraska wouldn't have got its act together. Or even if they make the one that they missed too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it at least makes it less likely Nebraska's in that game at the end. Yeah. Now, I mean, Nebraska's offense – started the third quarter with some horrible field position and it kind of just took away those drives in a way. So Nebraska's offense, regardless of if they were up 31-13 or 28-13, might have got it going to at least kind of make it a respectable game. But I felt like that one play just completely shifted the dynamic on Nebraska's sideline and well and the fate. I mean they converted three fourth downs on that 98 yard drive if one of those fails we're still looking at a potential oh this game could and get one of those of yeah one of those was a fake punt yeah on your own nine your yard senior line. it got your senior linebacker des- it got pretty desperate there when you're running that it why well, you had to i mean yeah. you kind of you know i think as much as iowa kind of figured that they had to do something on that final drive i mean scott frost knew if they punted that ball back right there it was probably going to be the end of the game for them if, if they didn't do something yeah I looked at that defensive performance against Iowa and I guess my main takeaway is that Nebraska has to find and develop defensive linemen that are able to take on multiple blockers I mean you look at a lot of that game it was the tackles could take out the the defensive ends one-on-one that leaves the guards free on those stretch plays to just pick people off and let the running back pick a lane and so I think that as much of anything for this defense to work, they got to get defensive linemen that can take on multiple bodies on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, they lose freedom. They lose Mick. 
I don't mean to be rude here, but I don't think either of those are going to be big losses for them to have to fill in. And I think that, you know, hopefully somebody like Tony Fair can give you something in the middle along with Damian Daniels and his own uh, development and increase in production helps them out because they've they just got to get better directly in the middle because Carlos Davis being asked to play out of position there is, is a lot. And he's frankly just undersized for what they want to do. And I, I think that they've got to get better in the middle. And then certainly they're, they're out trying to get defensive ends. I think they know they've got to get guys that are more capable of taking on uh, enforcing really is what it is, forcing the double teams that allow and keep your linebackers clean. I'm glad you mentioned Tony Fair because I forget about him sometimes, but you can make a strong argument he's one of the top three recruits in this class because of the reasons you just mentioned. And so you've got guys like Fair, Daniels, uh, DeAndre Thomas, who still has three years of eligibility now, that you know, and he'll come back, should be fresh and excited to go. And then you got guys like Wildeman and Rogers. You you really need these guys to yep. hit. Like I'm not saying they got to be great players. They got to be able to give you something. Year, but yeah, Wildeman and Rogers got to give you some snaps. Damian Daniels does have to be a pretty good player, yeah. right? By next year, he has to make a pretty big jump. I thought he had moments. I mean, to me, it was noticeable when Nebraska had success of collapsing a pocket this year. It came from the inside. And so you you need to get that sort of push, and they weren't getting it from Mick, and and Carlos was uneven with it because again he's out of position, but Daniels can give you that. He's quick. He's got a strong body. He's got the bull rush. I mean, so if, if he can do that, and you have Ben Still on one side, and you get good play out of the Davis twins and Rogers and Wildeman can help out a little bit. DeAndre Thomas. I mean, they have some people. They just needed more than what I think they got this year, especially late. Mm-hmm. And and some of that was. You know, Mick Stoltenberg's playing at 50% on one knee. He's just not the same player. It's a shame we didn't get to see Mick have a, a career where health was on his side and, and what he, he could have done with that. Because the, the knee's just, you know, it was about two or three years ago when I feel like he just couldn't be quite the same guy because yeah. of the knees. Well, that first ACL tear, I think, uh, right before the, what, 2015 bowl game? Yeah, in the December of that year is kind of the one that really, or was it before USC where he tore it? Yeah, I, d- I can't remember which game it was. I don't remember. There were so many different hiccups for him that it it it, it was, it'd be 2015 it if just, the math works out. Yeah, yeah, it was just disappointing. But yeah, and then you know, other thoughts. Just jumping back over to the offense, I think, and and we'll see what they end up doing. I think Nebraska needs to utilize Maurice Washington more as a wide receiver. Yeah. I really do. I, I think that he has the ability. I mean, we saw on that nice catch along the sideline. Uh, he's a tough matchup for people. He's got super long arms. He's a little bit, uh, what, probably a shade under six one, maybe six foot flat. And so he's got a little size to him. The long arms, he runs well. You can probably learn routes pretty quickly. I just think that he could really help them out there. If, if Dedrick Mills can give you steady production at running back, you still use Washington there a little bit. You still got Ramir Johnson coming in. You have uh, you know Wyatt Mazur, who I, I actually think they could get more out of too uh, going forward if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious in what ways they're going to be able to create some playmakers beyond just Adrian Martinez because next year just can't be, well, we have Adrian Martinez and J.D. Spielman and we'll figure it out. Like, yeah. I, I think they need some guys to emerge. And 
I'm pretty confident Mills will be one of those guys. I think that Washington, because of his unique skill set, you can use him in a variety of ways, and I would get him as a receiver lined up in the slot, you know, split him out. However you can do right. it, I think you can get some good matchups. He had 102 receiving yards, but a lot of that – it was kind of NFL style where it's just an extension of the run game. Yep. Some of that, um, you know, it counts as receiving yards. Uh, he's not obviously the same body type exactly as Wendale Robinson at Purdue, but I do Rondale think. Rondell Moore, you mean? Yes, Rondell Moore. I'm sorry. I have, have Wendell Robinson on my mind, but uh, Rondell Moore. But I looked at Moore's stats the other day and I'd kind of lost track. It was so receiver, receiving yards heavy compared to rushing yards, and I, did, I didn't really un- know that until I looked at it, yeah. how, how big of a gap there was there. I don't know if he ran the ball ten times in a game ever this year. He had very limited rushing carries, right. and Maurice Washington is going to be more of a running back than right. that, but I do think you can find a happy medium between what mm-hmm. Rondale Moore is um, or Wendale Robinson, as I like to call him, and uh, and what Maurice Washington can do for Nebraska. You have people so confused right now. <laughs> he has 18 carries this year. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. 18 carries and? Rondale Moore does. Yes. <laughs> and I think 103 all, catches. I think we all expect more out of the tight ends next year. Um, they had fleeting moments this year. I mean, the – I would argue the best play of the season for Nebraska or the most creative play of the season was the fake screen to to Zigbo and they hit Austin Allen because that just shows you how dangerous they can be in concept and design with this staff. And I'll be very curious. They're going to have a tight end room in which you have Stoll and um, Allen and, and Raftall. But then you also have Legron and McGriff who have just redshirted. So, yeah, you go five deep. At that point. And I'll be curious if they're able to work in Legron and McGriff or if those guys jump anybody in front of them or, or what that could look like. If you have different roles for them, if there's a package for somebody like, you know, Katarian or even McGriff, if there's a package in the red zone where you get a six foot six guy that maybe you split him out and he posts it up. Uh, I'm just, I'm curious what they can do with those guys as well. The, when you kind of look at, the guys that they have coming back, because I, I think that there's going to be a spot for some young guys in this offense. But, you know, we we heard that Mike Williams is going to be that guy. People had kind of assumed that, that Jerome Woodyard could turn into that guy after we got comfortable. Neither of them really did. I, I want to say that the next leading receiver after Morgan and Spielman was Maurice Washington this season. Um, you know, that, that that's the thing that, you know, even even though they have guys that are being recruited for the system that fit the system, I think it's at, it's still asking a lot of true freshmen to come in and be counted on. Um, so that that that's what I wonder about. I also wonder off on the offensive line. I mean, that, that was one thing that Scott Frost said after that game against Iowa was that he was surprised and a little shocked on each of those lines you know, how, how small they looked compared to Iowa. And, and it's the same against Michigan, same against Wisconsin. You know, there, there really is, a, you know, it's, it's Zach Duvall time now. They have to get better up front. And, and you've, you're going to have the whole interior uh, of your offensive line minus Bo Wilson that's, uh, you know, th- those jobs are going to be open. And, and they've got to be better too going forward. You had five guys on Nebraska's roster who had more than 200 yards receiving. But Morgan had 1,004, Spielman had 818, and then the drop-off is severe 
where you don't have that guy who had like 500 or 450. And the next guy is stole at 245. Maurice Washington at 221, and 102 of those came this last week. Yeah. And Ozigbo at 203. So two of those are your running backs, quote unquote, you know, who two of your five right there. And basically, yeah, there was nothing hardly beyond Morgan and Spielman from the receiver position. That was 85% of the receiving yards this year. And as we know, Stanley Morgan gone, but he leaves with a thousand yard receiving season for Nebraska for the first time in school history. Brian, I think this is important. We'll start with you. Will you recognize him as Nebraska's uh, top individual season, or is it still the asterisk with Johnny Rogers? Oh, I officially he is. I always just – It's the asterisk. Yeah. I always just – I know that if Johnny Rogers had 1,013 yards counting his bowl game now, we would make a big stink about how it counts. So I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't count because it happened in 1972 and people kind of forget, you know. So Rodgers did have 1,013 receiving yards if you count the bowl game. Uh, But that doesn't take away. Stanley getting over 1,000 and officially giving Nebraska that first guy to crack that is really big, I think, and kind of it's one of those little boxes you check and say, okay, that's out of the way, you know, because we don't have to have that conversation all offseason again. And Spielman can go crack it next year. And I I expect in this offense you're going to see a guy almost every season who is around there uh, and either breaks it or is in that 900-yard range. <laughs> I look for a point from Bronson. Sorry, this looks at me and stats, shrugs, stats so. department caught apologies up. for not being on the ball there. As I was trying to look at something on the computer at the same time, thinking Bronson might take over for a second. Nope, <laughs> that didn't happen. Anything else we want to get to team wise? Uh, anything else that you want to wrap up with the the regular season? Well, I mean, just before to- we start position previews next week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the overview is it's it's really interesting because they're four and eight, just like they were a season ago. Um, I don't know. How, what do you guys, in just a snapshot summary, what what do you feel like was this an encouraging year? Where you do you feel like they didn't meet expectations, or or what what do you think? I don't think they met expectations because if they met expectations, they'd be going to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. But I do think that they improved from where they were at at the start of the year to the end of the year. I think, again, we learned the sort of difficulty of switching an offense and a culture on a coaching change. And, um, I mean, I I learned the value of playing that first game of the season. <laughs> you still go back to that exactly. Akron game and you wonder if they get that in, how much that could have changed things for Nebraska this year. And – there's a part of me that honestly what I learned is that the Big Ten West is completely wide open. Mm-hmm. And with that being the case, Nebraska has a real opportunity in the second year to really put their stamp on what they think this division could be for years to come. When do you guys think the hype train on next year really gets rolling down the tracks? I mean, I, I think for the next 276 days, is that what it is? Yep. I think you're going to hear a lot about that schedule. And, I mean, that schedule is, a, I think, a big reason why Nebraska does have a chance. But, you know, as much as 
you know, people talk about, you know, Purdue's issues and Minnesota's issues and Northwestern being, you know, a pretty boring team that, that wins close games and, you know, Illinois doubling down on Lovey Smith. I mean, that, Nebraska, I, I think, has the potential, but they have – I mean, you, you can point at Nebraska's warts just as much as any of those teams do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess if I had to say who's the favorite right now, I would pick Iowa, I think, just because they seem the most stable, but it's by a very, very small margin. And it's almost disrespectful to Northwestern in a way because they've – It's not. Well, Go look at their schedule. Go look at their team. I know, it's but two, two years in a row, they find ways with their smart dudes to just win games, not commit penalties, and they've got a formula. Uh, I keep thinking the law of averages is going to bring that back, and I think it might next year, and they got to replace their quarterback. Um, and that's why Nebraska has as good a shot as any is because look at the quarterbacks. Which quarterback would you rather have? It's not even close. I mean, it's not even close really in the Big Ten West. Is it? Is there anybody out there that's even that you would say is comparable right now? Schaefer's a big Alex Hornerbrook guy. That yeah. Is- <laughs> and he's gone, right? He's gone. Slanderous. Is thing. it the Jack Cone era? Now? Said on this. Uh, Isn't this Horner, is Hornerbrook a senior this year? I was thinking he was a junior. No, he's not done. He's back next he's, year. There's more Hornerbrook. <laughs> there's still? more. He's not going anywhere. You can't he get is, him out that easy. He is around. I. Uh, I actually, and this might seem somewhat ridiculous to say because we we got to see how they progress. I think Minnesota is going to be interesting too. They're pretty young. They they were young this year. They won. I mean, they did better than Nebraska did. They went mm-hmm. six and six. Uh, they had their own issues with injuries at quarterback and with injuries to senior running backs and to, to top players on their team. They had multiple top defensive starters missing games at times this year, and they won six games. I mean, I don't wouldn't call them by any means a favorite in the division, but they PJ Fleck impressed me with getting them to six wins. Now, they caught some teams at the right time and all of that, but you need that. And uh, I think they're going to be an interesting team next year. I, I'll i be curious what happens, obviously, with Jeff Brom and Purdue. But, um, you know, at the, the time we're recording this, there's been no decision made. and Who knows when one will be made. But they'll be interesting. I Really, the big takeaway is I think Wisconsin took a big step back, and I don't know if they're going to take the big step forward next year. Well, hmm. defensively, I feel like they've lost something. You know, they they were – you could bank on them being top ten defensively almost every year. And as much as everybody talked about their own line, that's what really made Wisconsin to me was they were just tough as nails on that side of the ball. And they're 40th this year. And I don't think that they have an easy fix on that side right now. Um, so I, I kind of agree with you. I, I, I think they're – an eight nine win team probably next year, but they're I think their days of consistently winning ten eleven every year um, may be passing by. Well, I think Nebraska also going back to that schedule conversation, they have a fairly manageable crossover compared to what Wisconsin and I believe Iowa this this year coming up have, um, which is rare. Right. Nebraska's gotten kind of a bad draw there. Right. I mean, they, they get Ohio State again, per usual, uh, but it's at home. It's early. Um, so, it, I mean, that, that'll play a, a huge role as well. I mean, if 
basically. Maryland, Indiana. Yeah. Two. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's it, It's kind of remarkable that that's kind of, you know, such a big factor in the Big Ten, but that's just the way it is nowadays. Yeah. I Sometimes it sounds like you're making excuses when you talk about the whole schedule thing, and you got to just play who's on there. But um, it is a huge deal. Like, if one team gets Ohio State and Michigan and mm-hmm. another team gets only one of them or none of them, I mean, one game is sometimes all the difference in these things. And so, um, and Nebraska's never going to have it easy, it appears, because, I mean, Mich- Michigan's about to be the uh, consistent crossover, you know, after they're done with Ohio State, is that? Drawn out of a hat, apparently. Yeah. and. Uh, Iowa gets Rutgers. Yeah, in in out of the hat, out of Jim Delaney's big ten gallon hat. Yeah, scheduling hat. Somewhat dubious of this hat thing, but Bill Moose says it was a hat. Well, who am I to question Bill Moose? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're nobody to question. Yeah, you're Bill nobody Moose, to sir. question. That's Bill more Moose. what I was expecting <laughs> in terms of uh, of an answer there. All right, so we we want to move past the season that was and the game that was and move into recruiting. How's that sound? Let's do it. Sounds fair enough. We didn't get into it much. Nebraska picked up a commitment before the Iowa game, a few days before the Iowa game. Miles Farmer, defensive back out of Atlanta. Nebraska's already been down to see him. Scott Frost, Travis Fisher, Sean Becton stopped in for an in-home. Coach has been on the road since Sunday. They've been pretty busy. Nebraska's seen the majority of the commits in their class at this point. Uh, That was an emphasis that way they could get some of those out of the way and then turn towards some guys that they want to try to bring to campus. What has been your earliest takeaways from three-plus days on the road now for Nebraska? And where do you see the next month going for the Huskers as they look to sign as many guys as they can before the December signing period ends? Well, I mean, they're like you said, they're hitting their commits. I mean, they've said that they want to have most of their class sewn up in December, so it makes sense that you kind of go around and make sure that everybody who's in your class is going to stay in your class. I I, th- I think that Nebraska is also taking this opportunity to check in on some of their top targets. You've got, you know, Ty Robinson's going to be seen this week. Um, uh, you had Wanda Robinson uh, get seen last night. He's going to be seen again next week. Um so, you know, the, those are the, the stops that you also have to make. And, you know, you, you're seeing Scott Frost actually get around to some guys that are a little bit of a surprise. Uh, BC wrote about Winston Wright today, a wide receiver currently committed to West Virginia, who uh, went to McAllister's with, uh, with Scott Frost. Got a spud. I didn't know that when I did the interview, so I didn't get to ask him if he got the spud max that I get, but... I, I'm sure that they just put it in the middle of the table and just kind of picked at it with a bunch of forks, right? <laughs> well, probably. <laughs> um, but what did you kind of take away from, from that conversation? Well, Winston Wright um, might not decide early. That's interesting to me. He could be a February guy. He's visiting first week of December. And um, the staff recruited him when they were at UCF, so – it's not like Nebraska's like trying to catch up late in the game on him. And he's got ridiculous speed by the numbers. Um, 
think he has an official shuttle time of 4.26, but he has some that are even reported lower than that. And he just flat out says it, I'm fast. Like, he's one of those guys, like, I'm really fast, bro. You know, you just need to know that about me. I'm going to beat you in a race. Because I thought I could maybe beat him after we ate our potatoes. <laughs> um, you weighed him down with six <laughs> pounds of potato and have a shot. But we, I mean, we had a good sit down with the recruiting guys at Nebraska. And one of the things about Frost system is they can recruit these guys who are 5'10", 165, and that's no skin off anybody's nose. I mean, that, that, that'll work, you know, get them the ball in space and, and they're a problem. And there's, when you're talking about that type of guy, I think it limits the competition to some degree because some schools are still so stuck on measurables and don't run the same system that, you know, it, for a guy like Winston Wright, it's between Nebraska, West Virginia, really, and that's about it. Yeah, I, I agree entirely with what you're saying, Brian. And, and I think that's why someone like Jamie Nance could end up being at Nebraska a, a pretty good get for them where he maybe doesn't fit as a wide receiver for everyone because he's a little smaller. Um, but I just think that they have the ability to use some of those guys. I just I really – I'm trying to be tepid, I guess, in my praise of their wide receiver recruiting because of – so many of those guys hadn't done anything this past year. Right. And you need Andre Hunt and you need the junior college wide receivers to to really kind of excel throughout the offseason because this offense isn't going to work if they just don't have much production coming out of that group. Yeah. And that that's fair and you know, wide receiver when you analyze the wide receiver recruits, you got to take that look of let's let's see them prove it. Same with junior college guys right now. You know, they, they had – remember this time a year ago in December, we're all about that storyline and all these JUCO guys they added. And, you know, Greg Bell wasn't in the program in October. And Woodyard and Williams combined for 13 catches. And Will Honus got hurt in September. Uh, so far, that was not a success. That doesn't mean it, that's going to be the how the full story when this thing's written a year from now, but that has to be proven, too, when you talk about junior college recruiting as well. What do you kind of make of the – I mean, we saw last year with the early signing period that, I mean, quite a few guys signed in December. It feels like it's going to be even higher this year. Is that fair? I mean, as a percentage of what Nebraska's class is going to be? Because I think a lot of schools are figuring out that, you know, if you can get as much of that work done in these two weeks in, in, in December, it really kind of frees you up in January to recruit ahead. And for a, a school like Nebraska, with all the talent that's in that 2020 class in the 500-mile radius, it, it makes sense for them to do that. But, I mean, do, do you how many spots do you see Nebraska still having uh, you know, when, when we're sitting there for the first signing day in December? Probably a half dozen. Uh, I could see them signing anywhere from, you know, 22 to 25 guys in December, and then that still gives them, if they want to go all the way to 30, that gives them five to eight spots uh, to go after. I'd be surprised unless there's some people that are going to be committing here that we don't know of or that they've got some visitors coming in that we weren't expecting that commit. I'd be surprised if they get real high up there in December, but that's still a really good spot to be in. You think about how they recruited January last year and really December after that coaching change. I, I think that they'll 
be in, in a good position and they'll have an opportunity to, to chase just a handful of what they want. They don't have to just take anybody to take them. And they'll be able to get sort of who they're going after. And if they don't, they'll be working on 2020 as well. I mean, we're, we're going to see a lot more 2020 in January and a lot more 2021 as well. I mean, they're going to really try to work ahead, which they couldn't do at all last year, which they felt put them in a hole. And so to get out of that cycle, they have to finish off as much of 2019 in December. It's interesting, the dynamic with early signing day, because I sort of wondered how, like everybody, how it was going to play out. And it feels like, I don't know if you guys agree, but if you don't, if you're committed and don't sign on December 19th this year, it's almost like you're not really committed, you know? I mean, that feels like the tact or the way this whole thing has gone, not just at Nebraska, but everywhere now. So that the early signing day, I when it first came up, I thought, okay, maybe half I, – I didn't know. I thought maybe half the guys will sign and half the wait, and you just didn't know how it was going to work out. It turns out, no, if you're committed – and you're not signing, everybody's going to raise their eyebrows and be like, why didn't you sign? And so that, that's, uh, that's interesting to me that it became that right away, and I don't see it changing now. I think you're just going to see a lot of guys, good examples, something that Nebraska saw already this week, Smith Vilbert up in uh, New Jersey, just getting insane uh, attention over the last few weeks, going to visit Oregon here. I mean, I think you're going to see guys like that who – really kind of blow up late in their senior year and like November. I, I think those are going to be the guys that you're going to see hold off until February because there's no reason for them. Right. To, you're Smith Vilbert and you're this six foot seven, you know, 260 pound guy who just started playing call or just started playing high school football. And you have Nebraska, Oregon, Virginia tech, and all of these places knocking on the door. It's, it's similar Javante Jean-Baptiste was known by more people, but it's similar to, to Javante Jean-Baptiste, and it's in similar area, too. And Look, Nebraska wants to make hay in that area, and they also knew about this kid in the spring and have been monitor, monitoring him and trying to build that relationship. Mike Dawson saw him. I expect he's going to visit uh, the last week before signing day. And if they think that it would behoove them, they might even push for him to come in January. Same thing they did with uh, Gene Baptiste there, too. So we'll, we'll see what they end up doing. But he's the perfect example of somebody who has no reason to sign early. I think, you know, looking at this roster, I think the biggest things Nebraska can address are, right now, the defensive line. the pass rush and then I think wide receiver I mean those are the things that stand out to me is and I it's crazy I'm not saying defensive back but I kind of like what they have now with Farmer and Newsom and Wright I think they're in good shape with some other guys they're going to come away with five defensive backs they're happy with they like their young guys and Cam Taylor and Braxton Clark and CJ Smith who we saw briefly before he got hurt and Cam Jones who we never saw because he was hurt early I think they feel pretty good about their their young guys there. I really think that they've got to go out and find another playmaker at wide receiver, and I, I definitely feel like they have to find some big bookend defensive ends. I, I, I know they like Newsom. I don't know if Piper's going to be on the interior or if he's going to be a defensive end. They like Brant Banks. They obviously really want Ty Robinson. I think they're going to get Ty Robinson. 
but they want more, and I, I think they need more because at this point it's just almost a numbers game of if you have four big defensive ends and three of them hit, that's great. If you have two big defensive ends and one of them hits, you're still got a lot of issues there. You know when Scott Frost said the line in the postgame Friday, I don't want to look across the field and see a team with better or bigger defensive linemen than I have. Ty Robinson was like the guy that was in my head. Like you just can't. It's like that's the guy you you bring out there and you say, okay, that's guys like that change that discussion in a hurry. Just the way they're built. And, and that's what, what kind of makes it tough for Nebraska, where you you bring in guys that kind of fit that bill. I mean, Tate Wildeman is is exactly what they look for in a, a defensive end in this defense. Hurts his knee the first week of the season and, and isn't even able to practice. I mean that that's that that's kind of I guess where they're at too. Where you know when you say okay, well, what young guys are there that are going to step up? Well, these guys are basically going to be going through their first spring ball, yeah. their first real action because they weren't even on the scout team. Uh, both him and Casey Rogers. So that, that that's kind of the challenge at that spot and why you know you're seeing these junior college defensive end offers go out the last couple of weeks that they have because they know they need help right now. Underplayed, but they, they caught some bad breaks with injuries, more so to the young guys. Who just didn't get reps. Yeah, who you couldn't, get that, you couldn't take advantage of the four-game rule in a season like this, which was per- perfectly built to do it. And like the guys you mentioned and – you know, C.J. Smith was a guy they wanted to get four games, it looked like, and what he end up with. I think he played in two before he got yeah, hurt. so you don't get the full benefit of that. And it, that, that was just across the board. Cam Jurgens, even if it's not on the old line you would have loved him to play four games as a tight end and experience college football. And so that was a tough deal. Wasn't it something like, I, I, going back through the numbers, I want to say it's something like six to eight of Nebraska's redshirting guys suffered some kind of major injury this last year and not like soft tissue stuff either like knees shoulders yeah. uh you know stuff that you know they had operations and really had to take had time to recover knees and toes knees pretty, and toes pretty much that's the official diagnosis <laughs> well it's good that we have a medical breakdown yeah <laughs> i mean that's that's something wrong with the bread box <laughs> that's, that's great uh, I'm i'm glad that we've worked in operation too so let us, unless you guys have something else you want to add, recruiting, I'll say quickly, Nebraska, we don't have a visit list yet for this weekend, but they're expected to host a few. Ethan Piper, potentially one of those. Yep, he says he's going to be in on Saturday after his basketball game for yep. his official. Next week is going to be a, uh, a big week of official visits. We'll see who Nebraska has in. I know there's going to be a few commits, but uh, – Looks like they'll have the the kid out of Winston Savannah. Ryan. Yeah, he'll be in, and then uh, they'll certainly be adding to that, I think. And then beyond that, that final weekend, I would look uh, for some more visits for Nebraska to take advantage of that. We will transition now from recruiting. Is it the Jack Mitchell basketball hour? It is, but I mean, do do we even really want to talk about it? We didn't do it a didn't get a preview up on. Monday for this game, so we we will talk. How about, much do we really want to talk about? We, we will talk hoops until we're blue in the face about hoops. Blue because in the face. They beat Clemson. They hard, did. hard fought game. On the road. Yeah. Big Ten ACC challenge. Nebraska flips the script after that that game against Texas Tech. I felt like was going to be more like the game was with Clemson, more of a. Knockdown, drag out, kind of defensive back and forth 
game. And uh, well, Texas Tech tried to make it that, and Nebraska didn't respond. Nebraska just kind of, you know, sat down and yeah. packed it up and went back to Lincoln. But um, to their credit, I mean, they they basically played them even in the first half. Came out came out in the second half, played really Would well. Would you say Nebraska responded well to getting kicked in the face? Yeah, I would say that they did. The double text. Isn't that the dumbest call? Like, it really is. Yeah, I still haven't gone back to it completely. I listened to it on the radio. Kent wasn't impressed by the... Can't imagine that. ...by the call. Just like I wasn't impressed by the Isaac Copeland getting body-checked in the middle of the court after a loose ball by, uh, by Clemson's big man there. But, you know, they held on to win that game. I thought that at various times, different guys stepped up into the key... Key moments that you you might forget. I mean, Tanner played some really big minutes for them after Roby got his fourth foul, and he got some rebounds. He was able to he used his left hand on an entry pass inside to get a an easy bucket. He got to the free throw line where I think he went one for two. Uh, you know, he helped them out. Nana gave them some minutes early in that game where he was aggressive on offensive rebounds and. That dude might jump higher than anybody on Nebraska's roster. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he hit any specifically big shots. But then you had Palmer had his time where he took over. Copeland had his time where he took over. Thomas Allen hit a really important three-pointer. I mean, so they got the kind of game that I think Nebraska needs when they're not firing on all cylinders. They're doing enough where everybody's involved. They're getting contributions up and down the roster. Their role players are helping out, and they're not hurting them. I mean, honestly, you can't be anything but encouraged from watching that game on Monday because they didn't play particularly well, but they won the game, and they did it in the fashion that they're probably going to have to do on nights where they're not getting 30 points from James Paul. Let's, let's chat briefly about Isaac Copeland. He looks like a totally different player to me yeah. this year. Um and, and not only with the way he's playing, but the fact that Nebraska seems, especially early in games, to be running their offense through him. And, you know, he was he had the back issues when he came to Nebraska, didn't really get to do much at all last offseason. He's playing just like – I mean, he's a former five-star guy. I mean, he's playing like that player. And I, I think that he's giving – Nebraska time to get James Palmer going because we we still have not seen you say James Palmer I say Isaiah Roby yeah I can see that that guy has been incredibly disappointing he's got to stay on the floor well there's that but when he's on the floor I need him to be a little bit more assertive and less just like tapping the ball out of bounds he he just between the Texas Tech game and the Clemson game it just felt like he was too much of a wallflower at times for a guy that is six foot eight and was just projected to go in the second round of an ESPN NBA mock draft. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, Am I being unfair in that assertion? I mean, I'm not asking for him to carry the team in scoring. I don't need him to put up double digit points every game. But there are just times where it's like Nebraska's giving up these offensive rebounds and he's either not in good position for them or he's just not assertive in going and getting the ball, which is weird because at the end of last year, he was a very aggressive player. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if it's the foul stuff. I wonder. I it's the foot. I wonder if it's a little bit of the foot. I wonder if it's just teams being a lot more aware of him now. Yeah. I mean, you basically combination. He came out of nowhere last year, and you, you know, really come out of nowhere when you're six foot eight. Yeah, kind of. Like, what does nowhere look like when you're six foot eight? It's got to be real just, high. Just really tall. 
Yeah. Big door. I mean, <laughs> Thomas Allen can come out of nowhere because he's small. Sure. Tom. Tom, yeah. Ken Ken Pavelka big on Tom Allen. Yeah, I like, big on, it can't just be Allen. Everybody else's last name, but it's Tom Allen. Yeah, Tom Allen. You're getting every one of those eight letters. I I mean I think Roby will come around a little bit. I, I think I, I think there's just a number of factors going on there. But I, I I think they've got to get Palmer going somehow. But I really think that Copeland and, and especially Glenn Watson too. If you look at the way that he's filling the stat column right now. I mean, that, that was one of the big things coming into the year was whether Glenn could get back to sophomore year. Glenn, and he's playing even he's playing the best basketball of his career at Nebraska right he now. He had a couple big shots on Monday as well. What do they need to do between now and December 8th by 7.30 p.m.? That'll be We'll know if they had beat Creighton by then. They play Illinois at Minnesota, Creighton here. What, what do they have to do? Yeah, what's a success? Win. Win all three? Win them all. What if they win two out of three? One of those wins has to be against Creighton, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think you can survive splitting this week in conference play. Illinois is going to be a tough out. I mean, they yeah. they they look like a team that could implode at any minute, but they also are going to basically play you hard for 40 minutes. And, you know, I, I think that's where a game like that Clemson game helps Nebraska from a just a confidence standpoint. I mean – you guys heard the conversations after they lost to Texas Tech. I mean, people were heading for the exits on the bandwagon and leaving all their stuff and, and you know, getting onto the raft and getting off the plane. It's I, I think that they needed a game like that Clemson game to, to kind of say, all right, we, we've, we've got this. We can do this. That was a good opponent on the road. And they, they went in there and beat them. And, you know, I, I think 3-0 and is what Nebraska's shooting for there. I think Two and one would probably be successful if it's uh, as long as you beat Creighton in that one. And and we can get into that game later, but it's just going to be so fascinating because it's no matter how good or bad Creighton is, there is something about that team that that is just in Nebraska's head. I guess it has been for a long time. Looking at it this way, and even adding Oklahoma State, who they play on December 16th to the list. I'd say if Nebraska can win three out of those four games, the next four, which is a really interesting next four games, you win three, you're nine and two. They have a couple of cupcake con- non-cons after that. Uh, so they should be they would be 11 and two with that going into the heart of the Big Ten season. And I feel like with that, they're playing from ahead, whereas in the past it's always been like chasing, you're chasing the dance bid. And if they can get three out of four, I feel like they're they're in great position. You you think the Cal State Fullerton's a cupcake? I don't know. I don't know much about them. Was I wrong? They were a tournament. They were a tournament team last year. Well, my my mistake there. Then. <laughs> so they need to get four out of five. Then we'll we'll count them. I think they're closer to being a cupcake, and we're just giving yeah. you a hard time. Yeah, we're just giving you a little little guff. Anything else, well. But. But I mean, that's we've seen Nebraska lose to Incarnate Word. Sure, I, but in a Fullerton does well in their conference. I mean, that's uh, it helps. That helps you. Four out, you of, four out of those five. Yeah. You mentioned James Palmer getting him on track. Do you think that he got on track against Clemson? Because this is as good of a line as you pretty much can ask for out of Palmer. He had nine rebounds, which right. I didn't actually know. Yep. Uh, Twenty points. Did it on eight of fourteen shooting, which is the best shooting percentage of the year. Two of five from three, which is exactly what you want from him at 40%. And here's the thing about Palmer that's interesting to me. First three games of the year, shot 11, 8, 18 free throws. 
Last four games, he hasn't shot more than five. Yeah. Had, so his game is getting to the free throw line when he's not getting those calls. It's pretty evident that Nebraska's offense suffers in that regard. So if he can be efficient like he was against Clemson, in which he clearly figured out how he was going to get through that defense in the second half and then did it repeatedly, that I think is a big thing for Nebraska too. They got out and ran a little bit more in, in the second half too, which I think helped them. I mean that that's, oh Nebraska yeah at first I thought you meant that they got out ran as no a, no no I was like uh, they, we didn't watch the same game. they got out and and ran there um, we go. I think that's that helped Palmer quite a bit I mean that's that eight of fourteen line I mean if if you if you get that line with his normal you know eleven free throw attempts or whatever that's he, a thirty five point game yeah so you know I I think he'll get there I think Nebraska's confident that they can get James back to where he was last year and. I mean, you, you touched on just the, the minutes that they were getting off of their bench. You mentioned Tanner. He had 16 minutes, had a, a big rebound, uh, big putback. Nana's rebounding well. I mean, coming into the season, Nebraska was concerned about two things, two big things. One was three-point shooting, which is still a concern. Um, but they've rebounded really well, and I, I think you have to give credit to Copeland, to Palmer, for, for some of the work that they're doing and kind of picking up the slack there because I mean, you had Palmer with nine, Copeland had six, Roby only had three. Um, so, I mean, even Glenn Watson. <laughs> Shaking his head. Even Glenn Watson is, is rebounding well. There was more than three times well. where it was Roby and the ball, and he didn't end up with it. You didn't count in Palmer's stat line a uh, dunk where a guy gets to go, ah! <laughs> which he did he did on the reverse dunk, which I, I rather liked. You don't get that out of Nebraska basketball all the time, that kind of swag. Yeah. Well, that's that, that, that's what I appreciate about James Palmer, and, and Copeland's the same way. Those guys, yeah, they don't take they much crap. They think they're good, they expect they're good, and they're going to let you know when they've been good. What yeah. I appreciate about James Palmer, and it was the same thing with the Turan Petaway, is just that three-pointer that you don't know why he's taking, but then he cans it anyways. Yep. As long as he makes those, it's great. When he doesn't, it's like... He almost banked in that one yeah. at the end <laughs> when the possession broke down. But I think if they have the season people hope for, you got to look back at the defensive p- possession. Uh, at the. I thought Glenn played good defense on it, the force of travel. Like He didn't, over, he didn't get anxious. He didn't commit the foul. I was worried he was going to get called for it. And that was the point where you felt like, okay, Clemson's going to tie it or hit that shot that kills Nebraska basketball. There's going to be all this negativity in the air. This team's not what everybody thought it was. And when they got that stop, it was just like a sunshine, you know, like, okay, they, they pulled it out. And the Copeland block was remarkable, too. Yeah, I mean, the, he the, showed a lot of hustle there, gets the block, and I think it set up the dunk that you were particularly fond a of. A few people tweeted at me afterward, well, Nebraska – Almost screwed it up. I, I get it. The last couple of minutes was rough on offense, but that's also trying to finish any basketball game. Right. I mean, it's always like a fight to the finish. That, that's why I didn't – I mean, I, I understood the disappointment with the way that that Texas Tech game played out. But, you know, it, it's one game. I mean, it's, it's one game. It's really early in the season. A neutral site game with nobody in the crowd on a, what, a Tuesday night? Yep. I mean, it's, it's a team that might turn out pretty good. Yeah. I, I like think Pat Mahomes was in the audience. Might be, yeah. I mean, I think they're legit. They were a three seed last year, right? They went to the Elite, I, elite Eight. Last yeah. Year. They replaced some guys, but they also replaced them with pretty talented They look good. They, they look like a good team to me. I was as impressed with them as you were disappointed in Nebraska really watching that game. 
that that's your basketball minute that turned into that, ten. That was good. I like it. There's a there's a lot to talk about there. Palpable buzz. Right yep. Now. There's going to be a lot to talk about the next couple podcasts. Yep. We'll, uh, Might carry us. Yeah. Let's go. We we'll get some we'll uh, recruiting can too. But uh, well, okay. Sorry. Fine. Well, Wait, are you guys start are you guys suggesting a basketball hype cast? <laughs> no. Is that what you want? No. People no might be demanding it for that Cal State Fullerton. A little game. sweet Georgia Brown t- as the intro. Drop a little Christmas hype, Husker hoops hype cast. Yeah, some sleigh bells. Look, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, are we really going to have a hype cast for Southwest Minnesota State? Yes. <laughs> what are they, the Mustangs, the Broncos? What kind of, what kind of horse, what kind of equine mascot are they? They are the Mustangs, but do you know the color that goes with it? It's like a weird yellow gold, isn't it? Oh, he's very close. It's a golden Mustangs. Ah, nice work. There you go. If there's one thing I know, it's my directional Minnesota schools. Do you really? No. Is there more directional schools? What what school was Coach at? Minnesota State. Minnesota State, that's yeah. right. It wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't bring up some <laughs> sitcom that most people don't care about. You, oh, people cared about Hayden Fox. Yeah. He be, he won a national championship and then went hey, to the pros with a sorry. room with a room as that was smaller than this living room. I'm yeah. willing to bet most of he the overcame podcast. a lot in the facilities. <laughs> I bet most of the podcast listeners have never watched an episode of Coach. Oh, I don't know. I don't know on that. All right. Well, if you watch an episode of Coach, let us know on Luther Twitter. Van Dam, Dauber Dubinsky. I might make that a Twitter. Troy Aikman made a guest here. appearance once. Yeah, it was. Back when he was playing, or now as an announcer? Yeah, he would have been a player. Yeah, it was back when he was playing. It might have been early in his career. That's how (laughs) old it was. (laughs) All right. Well, any other sitcom thoughts here? Uh, I don't think so. I'm not going to ask you if Mariah Carey's song's a top five Christmas. It is. I don't. I mean, (laughs) I don't have any problem with that song. I don't have any problem putting it. I'm not a big Christmas music guy, so it'd be hard for me to come yeah. up with five I like. All right, that well. would that would be the problem. I, I take it you're a big Christmas music guy. Uh, in traditional, yeah, I like I like it all. I like you the like it all. It. Yeah, you want the the hymns mixed with the oh the yeah pop mixed yeah. with I want the, it all. The Blake Shelton Christmas album. I want a smorgasbord. Yes. Yeah, Brunch doesn't strike me as a Christmas music guy. I, I'm it. always taken aback every year how aggressive it is. Like, when it comes at you, like November 20th. Yeah, it just washes you, <laughs> washes over you like a big wave. Yeah. I'm, I don't listen to it every day, but I will. Uh, he listens to it. No, yeah. no, I don't. No, yeah. I do not. Do I Nobody seem like in a, a guy? Nobody in a shirt wears that without listening to it every day. You, you're sitting here in your sweatpants, kind of cozy, some hot <laughs> chocolate, a little Mariah Carey playing <laughs> over the dog's playing with a Christmas uh, yeah. toy. <laughs> You like that. It looks Christmas like an elf story. on the shelf that got pulled down. He's never getting back up to the shelf. You were jealous of it. You remarked about my I, I think it's a good Christmas toy. toy that I bought Tori. Yeah. has four tug-of-war legs on it. It still has <laughs> all four of them. Yeah. Anyhow. All right. Well, Brunt <laughs> is giving up. us a wrap-it-up signal because, of course, here. he couldn't say it because, you know, it's Brunt's. But yep. <laughs> we, uh, we will continue to have great content on the website at Husker 24 7 and you can get tons of recruiting stuff. We'll have some basketball things. But, uh, yeah, you can get all of that at Husker 24-7, and we'll be back with another podcast next week.